Welcome to Entering the Transfer Portal with your hosts, Brandon Shanahan and Tyler Sprinkle, where we search for a new college football team to cheer for. Join us on our journey while we search for a new college football home. Let's dive in. Here are Brandon and Tyler. Welcome in and happy Tuesday, week one of college football finally in the books. Last week was so fun getting to preview all, all of these teams and seeing in the direction that we're going to get into. But more importantly, this week is so fun because we finally got to see all of our teams in action. And it was an awesome week for our teams. Only one team lost when they were playing a game that wasn't against another team on the list. Of course, Cincinnati lost to Arkansas, but... Arkansas is on the list, and LSU, who we're going to talk a lot about, um, lost to Florida State, who's also on the list, so that doesn't count. Um, and we'll kind of get into the, the list here shortly. Um, lots to talk about, a new top five, a new tier chart coming out this week, and a new episode coming Thursday when we talk about a new team that we're looking to dial in on, and you can find a preview on who that team's going to be on our new Twitter account. It's going to be at former Husker fan. In the Transfer Portal Podcast Twitter page, where we live tweet college football games, we tweet out the weekly tiers, tweet out episodes, and we had an elimination game over the weekend that you only know about if you follow us on Twitter. So hop on over, only college football content, um, and then our header will show you who we're going to dial in on this week and what team we're going to focus on and talk about on Thursday. Just me today, Tyler, spending some time with his family. One of the downsides of putting together a podcast in five days is uh, there's some scheduling conflicts. So we're super excited for him, and he'll be back on the show Thursday. But solo episode here today, and there's plenty enough to talk about. Just me here. So first thing I wanted to get into, and here's the deal. I don't want to talk about Nebraska. This whole project is staying away from Nebraska, moving on from Nebraska, separating myself from Nebraska, you get it. So the last thing I want to do is harp on every one of their games and everything going on with their program. And I'm fairly confident I can do that because there's so much excitement to in these 13, 14 teams that we have that it's just not worth my time. But there is one thing that I want to talk about real quick because it's relevant to the list. And that is... A sniffle of a rumor of an inkling that Urban Meyer is linked to Nebraska. And I'll give you the full context of this because it's important. Dan Patrick show last week, one of the most trusted sports figures in all of sports, who has more sources than anybody could even imagine. They're talking about coaches who have some baggage, who could or could not return to their respective sports. John Gruden they talked about. And then Urban Meyer was another one. And the consensus essentially was that if he wanted to come back to college football, I mean, he's one of the top five college football coaches of all time. Some teams would look past his baggage. And one of the Danettes threw up throughout the name Nebraska. And, you know, they kind of shook it off and then moved on. And then later in the show, Dan got a message from one of his sources that says, hey, keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on Urban Meyer, Nebraska. And like I said, don't want to talk about Nebraska, but it's relevant because if Urban Meyer were to announce that he's going to any school, 
they're probably on this list objectively. Like uh, another school that got thrown out in that same kind of blurb was Arizona State, which I think is such a disaster waiting to happen. Urban Meyer at uh, Arizona State, it'd be fun to see. But so so same kind of thing. If he announced tomorrow, yeah, I'm going to be the next coach of Arizona State. Guess who's on the list the next day? Arizona State. Just because he has that much pull and is so interesting and dynamic as a coach and what he can do with programs and turn them around so quickly. I mean, Utah was a BCS team before they even went to the Pac-12. Florida had been up and down before him, and they haven't been up since. Actually, we'll talk a lot about Florida here. And then he left. They collapsed. Ohio State had a 6-6 and season the year before he got there, and he lost one game in two seasons including a national championship, like he moves so quickly and it's, it's tough to comprehend. And no, he doesn't stick around and build that true dynasty like a Nick Saban has, but the way that he moves so quickly, and then you hope that you catch a good assistant who can keep the the program upright, like Ryan day has um, for Ohio state. But I just thought that was interesting. And does it change things? No. Because I think that's so such an unlikely scenario that we don't even really have to worry about it. But I do think it's worth mentioning that if there's some momentum there, even if this whole project wasn't designed around moving away from Nebraska and moving on from Nebraska, they'd get some speed on this list if they were. But... Nonetheless, we got 14 great teams to talk about. Holy smokes, how fun was week one? I mean, I can't remember last time a week one was so fun. And to get it all started was Friday. Actually, technically to get it all started was Thursday, but Friday. Huge news in the college football expansion playoff, um, college football playoff. They announced that they were expanding it to 12 teams no later than 2026 and as soon as 2024. And I, I bring that up because I was thinking... Who on this list does that help? Who does that benefit? Does it hurt anybody on the list? Because that's we now know what the new era in college football is going to be like. And we now know what the structure is and the incentives. And while we don't know the conference structure, we know six best conference champions are going to the college football playoff and six at-large bids following that. And I'm hyped. I mean, this is so great. And my conclusion was, it's great for all of these teams. It's great for really everybody. Because everybody at basically any time in the first half of the season has to pass to the playoff. I think the only one who it doesn't really benefit are the teams who are constantly playoff regulars. Like Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia. They may not be a huge fan because now they got some more work to do. Um, Another interesting thing about this playoff that I think is so important is that it's 12 teams. You know, there's talk, we'll just expand it to eight. But what I like about 12 is that the top four conference champions get a first round bye, which is huge because the SEC championship game last year was so meaningless and so irrelevant. It's all right. One of these teams is going to play Michigan and one of these teams is going to play Cincinnati. There's no real... I don't know, maybe you could put the argument that playing Cincinnati was an easier path than playing Michigan. Georgia oddly proved that, I don't think, to be true. But nonetheless, 
whoever would have won that game in this upcoming structure gets a first round bye, and the other team has to go play another game next week. And now, granted, does it still end up Alabama and Georgia being the two best teams in the country? Probably. Probably. They're, it seemed like they were still so far ahead of everybody. But you can't tell me that one path is not easier than the other. And that's what's impactful. And then on top of that, you also have... So you have the four teams getting buys, two conference champions, and the two at next at-large bids get a home game. And that's huge in college football. Like, imagine playing a home game or having to go to Oxford, Mississippi or having to go to Stillwater, Oklahoma. That makes it, especially for a playoff game. Oh man, I couldn't, we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to talk quite a bit about Oklahoma state, but I can't imagine them not absolutely getting after it. Or you have a team like Notre Dame or Ohio state. You got to go up there in December. If you're in Miami or Florida state, you're hustling to get that home field advantage there. So that's impactful. You have these tiers that incentivize all the great tiers of college football. You have the the elite blue bloods that are running the sport right now who are still needing to win their conference championship to get a bye, um, who still need to finish at least in the top six to get home field advantage. It's a big deal. I mean, who that Georgia-Michigan game, I'm not saying Michigan beats them, but if they have to go to the big house instead of playing at the Chick-fil-A Bowl or wherever they played in um, in Florida, that's a difference. That makes a difference. So, yeah, bottom line is this is great for every one of these teams because last week when we were talking about some of these teams like Oklahoma State, like Kentucky, Ole Miss, um, Texas Tech, Texas A&M, it's, do they have enough football power to elevate to that next level. Because, I mean, we haven't seen Oklahoma State or in our lifetime a Miami or an Ole Miss or even, uh, I guess we saw Florida State win a national championship. But seeing those teams elevate to that upper top tier of college football where they're competing for national championships. So now that they all have a path, even Oklahoma State, and, and Oklahoma State's the, the big one that I think benefits from this the most because it's top six conference champions. The Big 12, while they're losing Oklahoma and Texas, in the current structure, Oklahoma State would have had to go undefeated and probably fairly convincingly to get in that top four for the playoff with those two programs leaving the conference. Now they just got to beat out Baylor, beat out Cincinnati when they get there. But overall, they're a huge beneficiary of this because they just got to win their conference. And they're either getting a bye or hosting a playoff game in Stillwater. So that is incredible. So I, like I said, it's going to be great for every one of these teams on this, um, on this list. Uh, so hats off to them for finally getting that done. So now we know, you know, because there was a lot of discussion last year, is it going to be eight teams or 12 teams or 16 teams? I think they nailed it. I think this is the perfect setup for college football right now. I think it's going to add some parity and, you know, it, it lends itself to a situation where like, I don't know, Arkansas gets hot, gets in the SEC championship. They could be hosting a game in Fayetteville and with two or three losses. That absolutely would never have been possible with this 14 format. So fantastic news from college football. Fantastic news for every one of these teams. Um, that now they, they have a 
clear path to the playoff. Whether or not they, they elevate and make that next step, who knows? But um, I think it's also interesting because I said the top six seeds go to the top six conference champions. One of these teams don't even play in a conference. So evidently Notre Dame could go 12-0, and dominate great teams that they play year in and year out, and have to go on the road or maybe host a game in that first round. They're ineligible for a bye, essentially. So I think that puts some pressure on them in the next couple of years to join a conference. So like I said, getting a bye is a big deal. Getting an extra week off while whoever you play goes against the top 12 team in the country, you know, they're going to be showing their best stuff on film. They're not going to hold anything back. Huge. I mean, I can't, I could do this whole podcast just on the benefits of getting that extra buy if you're one of the top four seeds that Notre Dame isn't eligible for. So I think that puts pressure on them to hunker down and join a conference. And, you know, that's part of the reason why they're on this, on this list is that they're going to be the next big domino to fall in, in college football. That if they go to the Big Ten, you don't think, I don't think the Big Ten's going to expand too much more because then you start getting, like, you have to bring value to the Big Ten. You have to bring value to the SEC. You have to bring value to those conferences to make up for the loss in revenue that they're splitting with you. So if you have $100 million to split among 10 teams, each team gets $10 million. If you add an 11th team in there without adding to the revenue, then you're just losing money at that point. So I think that we're almost done with conference expansion. It'll be interesting to see what the Pac-12 does. It'll be interesting to see if the Big 12 keeps all the teams that are supposed to be coming. It'll be interesting to see if the ACC and SEC stay put. But nonetheless, Notre Dame's going to be just fine because they're super sought after. The ACC would love to have them. The Big Ten would obviously love to have them. They do bring that that brand recognition that would warrant splitting the revenue another way. But um, enough to talk about that. We got 14 great teams on this list. Um, a little bit different of a list than last week. Um, so before we kind of get into that, like I said, new Twitter page, Transfer Portal Podcast on Twitter, at former Nebraska fan, or former Husker fan, excuse me. And Friday, Sunday night, we tweeted out, right at the beginning of the game, Tyler and I talked about it, said, hey, you know, this, we wanted to add the team to the list. So we got math, you got to take a team out. And I feel like that Sunday night game between Florida State and LSU was so telling of where those programs are at that I was like, hey, winner moves on, loser gets replaced by so-and-so. So we tweeted that out. So you get updates just like that um, on our Twitter page. First of all, incredible game. I I do have to admit something. Once can't remember exactly when it was, but I turned it off pretty late. I think it was when Florida State went up by two scores towards the end. I was like, all right, LSU's not coming back. Evidently, they got a fumble, and it was an all-time classic game that I missed. And that's on me. That's on me. But nonetheless, it doesn't take away from how incredible of a game it was. LSU comes back in dramatic fashion, has scores a touchdown as time expires. All they have to do is kick the extra point, and they're going to overtime, and then, you know, it's anybody's guess, and 
they block the extra point. A play that scores 99% of the time. And LSU can't convert. Florida State blocks it. They go on to win in regulation 24-23. to And so, like we said, LSU's out. LSU is off the list. Um, I'm not too bummed about it. Because Tyler brought up an interesting point last weekend that it'd be a different story if Coach O was there still. Like Brian Kelly... We've thrown out this word so much on this podcast, and it's fun and excitement. Brian Kelly isn't fun and exciting. He's a great football coach. He's going to win a bunch of games at LSU, but he's not very fun. And the whole meme of Brian Kelly's short time in Baton Rouge so far has been just how unfun he is and how he's trying to be fun. That counts for something, certainly, but he's just not fun. Um so Baton Rouge, I'm sure, gets after it. It'd be incredible to go to a game there. Um, proximity's fairly close to me. I'm, I mean, outside of Texas is probably as close as it gets. But nonetheless, I mean, I'm not too bummed about losing out to them. Um, congrats to Florida State. Admittedly, because of the team that we're adding, and we'll we'll get into that here um, a bit later, I wanted a little bit more parity, so I would have probably rather LSU stuck it out, but Florida State's looking great. Miami's looking great. So overall, just a a fantastic week one. I mean, typically, I've just been so used to week one being teams beating up on lesser teams, and it's not very fun, but this week was awesome. I mean, starting off with the 11 o'clock slate, the Iowa game was so funny. And now, granted, just because I'm not pro-Nebraska doesn't mean I'm not anti-Iowa. Uh, they can fuck right off, as far as I'm concerned. There's a reason that they didn't make the list. They didn't sniff the list. We're not even talking about them. However, that game was so funny to watch. You win 7-3 to three with two safeties. I've never seen anything like it. I'll never see anything like it again. So that was so funny and such a great way to start off the season. And then up next... You know, we'll kind of get into Cincinnati and Arkansas in depth, but that was an awesome game. Um, Florida-Utah was awesome primetime. Ohio State, um, Notre Dame was awesome in primetime. Georgia-Oregon, they they did play football, um, and I can say. But overall, just a fantastic weekend, and another one coming up, some exciting stuff. Um now, week two is kind of looking like it turns into the the week two or the week one that we've seen in the past where a lot of these teams are playing lesser teams. But so we'll, we'll kind of get into it. So first team that played is the first team I want to talk about, and that's Oklahoma State. They were coming in. They played Central Michigan. And I was kind of going into that game. It was Thursday night. It was like the real first college football game that I've watched since Nebraska-Northwestern. And I was kind of thinking to myself, oh, Oklahoma State was on the top tier. And I'll also explain the tiers real quick because I, I really am excited about that. So instead of doing like, so Tyler and I each week will do our top five rankings. And then it sets up uh, our tier structure. So essentially the top tier is going to be a team that's in both Tyler and I's top five. It means that we both love this team and we both are excited about this. And then the next tier is going to be a team that's in one top five and not the other. 
And then uh, the next tier is going to be um, a team who's not in either of our top fives. And uh, then eventually there'll probably be a lower tier than that where teams are really struggling to stay on the list and they need something to pop. Uh, and they're on the verge of elimination. Um, and so how the tiers broke down after week one, or going into week one, I should say, um, top tiers, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, and Arkansas. They're both on Tyler and I's top five, both super excited about the potential of all those teams. Um, a little foreshadowing. One of those teams is no longer in the top tier. We'll do that once we get into the tiers later on in the episode. Um, one of those teams is not in the top tier anymore. In the next tier, um, a team that's in one of our top fives and not the other, Cincinnati, Miami, Florida State, USC, and Texas Tech. Uh, Miami, Cincinnati being in my top five while usc texas tech and um florida state were in tyler's top five and not mine uh, then the next tier oklahoma kentucky texas a&m ole miss ucla and lsu who is not on the list any longer um and another interesting tidbit one of those teams i wanted to get rid of I wanted them to be eliminated. I didn't want to talk about them any longer. But Tyler, on the other hand, has them in the, his new top five. So they're sticking around. So that'll be really interesting to, to kind of dive in once he gets back. But Oklahoma State was in our top tier, one of the three teams that we both were excited about. And that's a tough place to start because I was worried that they would have nowhere to elevate to That's Playing Central Michigan week one was only going to hurt them. That if they didn't play well or they lost, then they would be downgraded. But if they played great, they wouldn't receive any of the props. And the benefit that some of these other teams that start off lower do. But I was wrong. That, oh my God, Oklahoma State looks awesome. Spencer Sanders looks awesome. I mean, frankly, he looks like everything that I wanted Casey Thompson to be. He was electric, scored a million touchdowns, was just so fun. Game was so over so quickly. I feel like they could have scored 100 if they wanted to. They didn't. Um, towards the end, Central Michigan added on a bunch of points that really makes it look closer than it is, which is a bold statement considering that Oklahoma State still won by 14, 58 to 44. But, oof, electric stuff. I'm so impressed by Oklahoma State. Uh, the stadium was electric. It looked like a hoot. Um, the uniforms went hard. It's just so, it was 10 out of 10. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better debut from Oklahoma State. I'm as high on them as ever. Spoiler alert. But I was so excited. So excited about Oklahoma State. Um, so let's get into, as we got into Saturday football, um, some of the, the brushes um, Kentucky beat Miami of Ohio 37-13. Miami beat Bethune Cookman or Bethune Cookman 70 to 13. The U's back, baby. Um, Oklahoma beat UTEP 45 to 13. Ole Miss beat Troy 28-10. USC beat Rice 66-14 and Lincoln Ryan, or excuse me, Lincoln Riley's debut. UCLA beat Bowling Green 45 to 17. Texas Tech beat Murray State 63 to 10. And they played right down the road for me in Jerry World. 
man, if we weren't moving, I would have loved to have gone that game. Texas Tech, same kind of thing. Their uniforms go hard. Their fans go nuts. They're a real sleeper, I think. Texas A&M beat Sam Houston State 31-0. That game looked real touch and go for a while. Um, but they, you know, after the rain delay, they got it together, got the shutout. Offense, I feel like, looks sluggish, doesn't look very sharp. Had a couple of big plays that made up for it and really stretched the score out further than I think those two teams were. But overall, solid performance from, from all those teams. Uh, like I said, everybody, except for Notre Dame, who we'll talk about extensively here, everybody who wasn't playing somebody on the list won. So very cool stuff. Um, the first game, and the, probably the game I was most excited about going into the week, was Arkansas and Cincinnati. You know, Arkansas and Cincinnati were both on my top five. I was super excited about both. I thought this was going to be such a good test for Cincinnati. Can they reload after losing all that talent from last year? Losing your your tenured quarterback. I mean, dude could be, be a professor at Cincinnati for how long he was there. Desmond Ritter, Sauce Gardner, and a couple of other players to the NFL. Like, that team was loaded last year that... I mean, they just rolled through their conference and then, you know, ran into a brick wall with Alabama. But that team was so talented and they lost a lot of that. And that's the question with a team like Cincinnati is, yeah, they, the Stars can align and they can pop off one year. Because the Stars really aligned for them last year. It wasn't just that they went undefeated. but was also some of those other teams are kind of teetering. Oklahoma didn't have a great year. There's no real contender out of the big 12 Oklahoma state made a push, but lost to Baylor in the big 12 title. Um, eight, uh, pack 12 looked pretty bad. Um, Clemson was irrelevant this year. So there was that, just that prime opening for them last year and they got in, didn't show very well, but playing a very good sec team to start the season, I thought was going to be a great test. And I'm, you know, I'm still impressed with them. I'm still on board with Cincinnati um, I'm super excited to see what Tyler has to say because he is very critical of the thought of Cincinnati being a contender going forward, even when they're moving to the Big 12. Um, and frankly, if Arkansas would have rolled them by 25, 30 points, I would have I would agree with him. But uh, a very um, respectable 31 to 24 loss to a team that I think is going to be really good this year, Arkansas. Um, I think that's good. They they had their chances. Uh, just some sloppy play that you almost expect to see out of these teams week one that you just didn't see with Arkansas. And, you know, the cleaner team won. Uh, first and foremost, I'm going into Fayetteville. I'm sure it wasn't easy. But, yeah, seven-point loss, I mean, it's a pass for me. Um, Arkansas. They looked good. Um, boy, they look like they got a lot of star, star power. And talking to Will and Sydney last week, there has it's so interesting because their football team looks so exciting, but that's not even the most exciting program in Arkansas football or our Arkansas athletics. So I'm excited to see what kind of leap they can take. Because here's the thing, going from four wins to nine wins isn't nothing. Like that's a huge accomplishment in year from year one to two, nonetheless. So, I mean, nine and three average, nine and three floor is going to be exceptional compared to what 
they've kind of been accustomed to the, the last decade or so. But, I mean, if Pittman can get him in that extra gear, that's going to be fun. So Arkansas looked awesome. Super stoked about them. And then the other game that um, I wanted to talk about was Ohio State and Notre Dame. Notre Dame entering the week on our top tier. I mean, of course, you would have liked to have scored more than 10 points, but I think as a starting benchmark, I think there's a lot to be happy about. And and they're going to have a fairly favorable schedule. Um, got Marshall, California, North Carolina, BYU's looking pretty good after week one. Clemson's going to be a tough game. And then on the road to USC to finish her out. So they're going to have a lot of time and a lot of low-quality opponents to kind of iron out some of the, the rough patches. But I think they looked good. Um, I don't feel any worse about them, despite losing. Um, I thought they went to the shoe, put on their hard hats, and got to work. They're certainly the mo- more physical team, which I don't think is a, is a big surprise. But, yeah, I thought they played good. I think they'll get better throughout the season. Um, I'm excited to see them play Clemson and UCLA towards the end of the season. Um, and I, I think that'll really be the gauge on whether they can be a contender on our list or not. But overall, lots of lots of good vibes from our teams in week one. The week two slate gets interesting. Oklahoma State gets their first uh, taste of power five. Arizona State. Um, SEC play gets underway. Arkansas gets underway against South Carolina. Miami plays Southern Miss. Cincinnati plays Kennesaw. An FCS team, so hopefully they can uh, bounce back and get after it next week. Oklahoma plays Kent State. Ole Miss plays Central Arkansas. Florida State gets after it with Louisville. USC goes to Stanford. That's that. That could be a trap game. UCLA plays Alabama State. Texas Tech, Houston, a future Big Twelve game. Texas a and plays Appalachian State, which they looked good against North Carolina, but I think it'll be tough to see for them to bounce back after such a roller coaster of a game. I mean, there was so much greatness in college football in week one that it's kind of, at least in this show, slept on Appalachian State and, and North Carolina. Absolutely insane game. The Notre Dame uh, plays Marshall. So exciting stuff there for all those teams. Um, and Kentucky plays our newest team on the list. That's the Florida Gators. So they go at it. Another interlist matchup that I'm already excited for. They play in the swamp. And I'm super excited. There's a couple of factors into Florida being a late addition to the list. One, when we first started this list, the playoff structure didn't really have a whole lot of momentum on changing. Like, Of course, you know that we were meeting, but... There's no real reason to believe that they'd get something done. We've heard that story before. But now that all they got to do is win the SEC, or not even win the SEC, but if they, there's a good chance that they could finish third in the SEC and still make the playoff and still get one of those at-large bids. If, say, Alabama and Georgia go at it again, they're clearly the two best teams in the country. Winner gets the um, championship bid. 
and the other team gets the first at-large bid, there's two spots up for the air, up in the air. And if they played well against those two teams, they could get in it. So they, it was interesting to see a team who could finish third in their conference and still make the playoff. Now that we know that what that structure is like, it seems a lot more attainable for a team like Florida. And I didn't know how close they were to being back. They've had some real swing and misses with head coach since Urban Meyer. And with Billy Napier coming in, I figured it'd be good. Um, I figured that he, he, he'd write the ship. I guess I was kind of confident about McElwain as well, and that didn't work out very well. But the way that they came out and played against Utah, Utah's really good. Utah's probably going to win the Pac-12. Utah, if they run the table, they very well could run the table and end up in the playoff. They were so close to winning the Rose Bowl last year and beating Ohio State. They're a really good football team, and Florida beat them. Now, you can also make the argument Utah lost that game towards the end. I mean, what are you doing throwing the ball inside the five-yard line? It's either got to be a touchdown or in the stands, and he throws an interception. Florida wins the game. Bonkers game. Soup. I had so much fun watching that game, and I didn't turn it off early like I did Florida State LSU. But electric stuff, and like I said, the, the path to the playoff becomes clear and obtainable for Florida that they're coming in hot. And when we made the decision to make the Florida State LSU game and eliminate, excuse me, an elimination game. Like I said, I was kind of pulling for LSU to come out just because now we have three Florida teams on our list. And they're all kind of in similar positions as far as where their programs are at. They all look great. Let's see, they're three teams four games in because Florida State has two games under their belt. They all look awesome. Like, I wish I would have done the math on what the scores would have been like because Miami blew out their first week opponent 70-13. to 13. Florida State won handily their first game 47-7 to 7, and then beat LSU last night and then Florida with another convincing or not a convincing but a strong win against a really good football team. They, I mean, I'm sure when we get to talk to some of these fans, they're like, oh yeah, we're back. We're back. And they have reason to be back. Um, and like I said, those and we, the same thing that we talked about with Florida State and Miami also goes for Florida. They could get momentum really quick and be back really soon to that top tier of college football. That, you know, a team like most other teams don't get to experience. Like, I'm trying to think of another team other than Nebraska, but like Nebraska or Michigan State, who is not even the most popular team in their state, or you know, just some of those teams who aren't in those re- recruiting hotbeds or kind of playing second fiddle and are going to stay second fiddle. Florida and Miami and Florida State, whoever's the best of those three teams is probably going to be really good. And I think that we've seen an unlikely stretch of seasons where none of them have been good. So I think that's about to end. I think all three of them could be really good. Um, so that's why we decided to add Florida. So now we got three Florida teams on the list. And I'm super stoked about it. So uh, we'll dive into to Florida a little bit more. But now, time to get to our top five and our updated tiers. So let's get started with Tyler. He's his top five, fairly similar, except one change. 
So his top five reads Oklahoma State, still number one, Arkansas, number two, Florida State, number three, USC, number four, and Texas A&M enters the top five. And they kick out Notre Dame. And here's where the conflict comes. And like I said, I'm super excited to talk to Tyler about this because this is the first thing that we've really disagreed on. Like, we've been kind of on, on different levels but with different teams, of course. But I was going to come to the podcast and be like, we should get rid of Texas A&M. I, have, I was watching their game on Saturday morning. It was the first game I, I turned on. I was super stoked about it. And... They were playing Sam Houston State, and they, they just weren't playing well. And I'm like, I'm kind of cheering for Sam Houston State. And I was thinking about it because I was like, why would I want to root against Texas A&M? They're on the list of my new potential favorite college football team. Why wouldn't I want them to win? And they just have everything at their disposal. They have a national championship winning head coach. They have top-tier facilities. They have one of the most electric fan bases in the country. They have this incredible and unique environment and they're in a recruiting hotbed and they're in the best division in the best conference they should be great and when you have all that given to you it to me feels easy to root against and so i found myself rooting against them i was rooting for sam houston state i thought it would be funny to see a team who has all these resources and all these reasons why they should be good, but they're not. Like, it's so fun rooting against Texas. Them losing to Kansas is such a funny meme because Texas has all those same resources or similar resources at least, and they still can't figure it out. So it's just, it, it, it's interesting. And I asked Tyler why, and he's just, so entrenched with college station and what they bring to the table as far as just being great fans and he says they're just a blast and i can't argue against that point at all like i wonder if if i went to college station for a game if i would change my mind and maybe we'll have to set that up this season and now that brings us to my top five and this one took a lot more thought than i was going to because there's still teams that I like, but that didn't really get me excited this week. Um, but then there were other teams that I wasn't really too juiced on that got me so excited that you know it was tough to really alter my top five. Um, and I guess you know that's why we're doing this the whole season is that it'll all even out at the end. But here's where I'm at right now: number five, Cincinnati. I saw what I needed to see out of them. Um, and Cincinnati's tricky because that's going to be about the only time that we see them play a team like that until until the bowl season because they play my they play Kennesaw State next week and then Miami of Ohio. They do play Indiana. That's going to be a huge game now that I see them on their schedule. That's huge. That They're at home. Um, they do play SMU, so you bet you I'll try to be there for that. Um, they're literally just right down the road for me. So any, yeah, um, if I don't have to work, I'm there. Um, so I, I want to keep them on the list because I feel like they're going to have such a hard time getting back on the list if they're not on there. And I'm still super excited about them. I, I, I got hyped watching them play. I enjoyed watching them play. They, And I mean, coming into the season, like I went to the Cotton Bowl and watched them play last year. 
So they have that going for them. And, you know, it, it's tough for me to turn my back on them. And like I said, it's going to be tough for them to get back on the list once they get off. So I want to try to keep them there, um, at least for now. Up next, Miami. Now, this was what was the team that I didn't. They won 70 to 13. They took care of Bethune Cookman very handily. Yeah. Okay. That's what they were supposed to do. Now, I have everyone's schedule pulled up, and they play Texas A&M in two weeks, and I will be pounding my fist to make that an elimination game. And I'll, and like Miami's in my top five, I'll put them on the line if it means getting Texas A&M out of here. So I'm super stoked about that. Um, they play Southern Miss next week. I'd assume it's going to be the same kind of thing where they should win handedly. If they don't, it might be a bit of a disappointment, but... I, I still think that there's so much potential there. And they're just going to be so fun to keep track of this year that I'm, I'm excited about them, even though I didn't see a whole lot of excitement, um, or I didn't feel a whole lot of excitement about week one. Three is our, our new edition, Florida. I am all in on the Gator Express. Like, I got to have someone on from Florida to teach me how to do the Gator Chomp because I'm, I'm, all, I'm all in on Florida. They look so good. And there was something about seeing them back, like the blue and orange uniforms, the orange helmet with the gators on the side, that logo, like it's just so refreshing to see them back in the relevancy of college football that I'm just excited about. I'm super stoked. So they're high up on my list. Um, I don't even, I don't even have their schedule pulled up in front of me. Like I do the others cause they weren't added to the spreadsheet, but they're going to be playing some good football here. Oh, they play Kentucky. They play Kentucky. I mean, I don't know if I if I'll if we'll make that an elimination game because I don't want to get rid of Florida so quickly. But Kentucky's on thin ice. I think if Kentucky doesn't look good, or Kentucky, I I'm fairly confident in saying that if Kentucky loses, they're toast. So we'll see how that goes. Super excited about Florida. Um, that'll be a really fun game next week. Number two is Arkansas. Um, two and one were really tough because I. I am trending more towards Arkansas. I'm worried that because Will and Sydney were the first people we got to talk to on the show, that there'd be that recency bias. So I, I, I probably downgraded them just for that. But everything that we talked about with Will and Sydney was exactly what we're looking for in a team. And they came out and they beat a really good Cincinnati team. Um, they go play South Carolina next week, which I think will be fun. Uh, it'll be the first time I watched Spencer Rattler play i don't know if they played last weekend i don't know but that'll be fun to watch um super excited about arkansas real real good contenders um really easy team to root for so they're high up on the list and number one is oklahoma state i mean well really did well really got them up their list up my list um compared to where they were last because they're number four for me last week it was just they're just so fun to watch and like not like the football was obviously electric, you know, scoring that many touchdowns. But the uniforms were awesome. The field looked cool. The colors are awesome. The stadium gets after it. And there is probably a bit of bias for them because they were played Thursday night, and I was so excited about college football this weekend that they were just the first one that I saw. So maybe they get some extra points there. But um, overall, I mean, they're just so fun to watch. But um, so with our top fives out now, 
we can now restructure our tiers. And there's only two teams at the top now, and that's Oklahoma State and Arkansas. Um, it'll be interesting to see where Tyler sits on the team of the week this week. Um, he doesn't even know who it is yet, which is fun. But it'll be interesting to see where he's at. Because I think the team that we talk about this week is going to be Sue, a very fast riser. Um, so it'll be interesting. Um, so on our next tier, the teams who are in our top five or in one of our top fives and not the other, it's going to be Florida, Miami, Cincinnati, Florida State, USC, and unfortunately, Texas A&M. Um, and then our bottom six comes out to Oklahoma, Texas Tech, UCLA, Ole Miss, Kentucky, and Notre Dame, who was at the top tier last week. Um, oh, how the mighty have fallen. And another thing about the, my, my thing with Notre Dame is out when I was doing my top five, I was really struggling trying to figure out who's who, who to kick out from week one. Cause week one, it was Miami, Notre Dame, Cincinnati, Oklahoma state, and Arkansas. And it was kind of between Notre Dame and Miami on kicking them out. And I just, if Notre Dame's the answer, then Notre Dame's going to be the answer. Um, like I said, I'm not discouraged by them. I still think they have just as good of a shot winning this whole thing as entering the game. But I'm also not too interested in them over the next few weeks. They're playing Marshall, Cal, at North Carolina could be interesting versus BYU could be interesting. But really, their time to shine is going to be the last four games when they play Clemson and USC. And they play Navy in that window too, which Navy's given them troubles for years. So that might not be that might be a better game than than we think. But like they're that's going to be their time to shine. Where Miami is, I mean, they get after it against Texas A and M in two weeks. So I'm excited about that. There's still so much unknown with Miami that I think is just so exciting that they they, they got the boost. So Notre Dame going from our top tier to our low tier. Um, and again, you can see these tiers on our Twitter account at former Husker fan, um, where you see live updates as we're, you know, adding to this great show. Like I said, we tweeted out right before the game on Sunday that it's going to be an elimination game and LSU is now eliminated. So you get to see live updates like that. And you get to see a sneak peek on who the team of the week is. And our header photo. Last week it was Arkansas with Will and Sydney getting to chat with them. It's a whole other team this week that we'll dive into on Thursday. But man, super excited about next week. Um, some of the games to really keep an eye out for. Obviously, Kentucky and Florida. We talked about them. Arkansas and South Carolina. Oklahoma State and Arizona State are going to be fun. Because it's their first Power 5 team. Arizona State's kind of trending downward so it could be an opportunity for a good power five win for um for oklahoma state to, to keep their momentum rolling other than that a, a whole lot of nothing um texas tech plays houston which will be interesting texas a&m plays app states like i said they're probably still going to be worn out from that game that shootout with north carolina over the weekends um usc plays stanford um, Oklahoma plays Kent State. Ole Miss plays Central Arkansas. 
So lots of fun to be had. Lots of good football. Um, and we'll, that uh, does it for today. Like I said, follow the Twitter. Um, that's going to be where we're most active on social media. And that's where you get to see like live updates on what we're thinking and what we're feeling and what we're watching and what, what we're excited about. Um, so yeah, live updates there. We'll be back Thursday. Thanks for tuning in. And that wraps up another episode of Entering the Transfer Portal podcast. Subscribe, like, and share, and make sure to never miss an episode. Till next time.